Hey, in our podcast today, we're going to be talking about the incredible uh, word compassion. Uh, Americans are compassionate people. In fact, Western civilization is rooted in a worldview that gives us an understanding of true biblical compassion. And that compassion finds expression in medicine. In other words, Western civilization has created some of the greatest doctors, hospitals, cures, treatments, etc. But the amazing thing is none of it happens if there's not a worldview underneath it sustaining it and nurturing it. That's what we're going to talk about today. Why has the West uh, been world leaders in the compassionate expression of care? Uh, Join us today. You won't want to miss this understanding. Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Thanks for tuning in again to this week's episode. We're we're uh, we're recording this, so we're a little bit behind, uh, but we're recording this on June the first. This is the beginning of. Uh, I always like to say, think once we get past Memorial Weekend, we hit June, but we're in technically the summer, uh, summer months, June, July, August, and uh, man, I've been waiting for these months. I like to get outside and play in the dirt and have fun and all that good stuff. So I'm I'm ready. I think summer's finally hit. Today's going to be 90 degrees. So (laughs) finally. I love it. Today's 90? Something like that. Oh, my word. And uh, we got some much needed rain yesterday. I was doing some landscaping with yeah. uh, my son out on the uh, church property there, uh, getting it all ready. The steel is flying up as fast as we can uh, speak, and uh, it's getting exciting around here to see the developments. It looks awesome. Those guys are just like Legos from them. They're just like putting the pieces. Incredible. Yeah. And I can't believe, again, with, with how long it took to do all the dirt work, how fast that steel is going up. It's really refreshing. So There's a sermon in that, yeah. how long they spread <laughs> the for the foundation. And you, cause you can't even see the foundation, you know? Once the foundation is set, it's good to yeah. go. The rest of it is kind of, uh, it's oh, kind of ex- more topic. You're exactly right. Yeah. Uh, it, now we're in all the candy, but if without a good foundation yeah. underneath, uh, it's not going to The piping, the plumbing, all that stuff, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's good. We're talking, you, you talked about foundations. That's exactly what we've been talking <clears throat> about uh, in this podcast is just developing uh, the Judeo-Christian worldview reminding people why America has been so successful. You know, we use the term American exceptionalism, and people think that means we're snooty Americans, we think we're the best. That's not what that term means. That term simply uh, refers to the fact that we have enjoyed the same form of government, stability, economic prosperity, uh, technological advances. Um, I mean, across the board, Americans have been leaders, and that's not because we're Americans. It's because of the Bible. That's the point we've been trying to make. It's because of the culture that's been created that has given rise to what has been called by others American exceptionalism. And we're simply trying to uncover the roots of that so that yeah. people understand, yeah, we really are exceptional. Uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't take it for granted. And if we if we get severed from the foundation or the roots of why we're exceptional, uh, we will no longer be exceptional. We'll be on the uh, the ash heap of human history, like a lot of other cultures who have turned their back on God. Um, but we're talking today about a really really important topic. That's the topic of compassion. Why did caring or why did compassion eventually become a medical commitment? Um, We're in a country today where if you need something medical, medical treatment, specialist, whatever, you you can... Make a phone call, get in the car, probably drive five minutes or less away, and there's probably in most places a hospital in your neighborhood that will provide good care for you. Yeah. And again, we should not take this for granted. 
Yeah, and this book, you know, the the book that made your world, okay, written by a, a, a Indian scholar, really contra- help us contrast um, what the rest of the world think about these topics versus right. Western Civ or specifically in America. And the story he starts out with, once again, you know, t- kind of take the blinders off our eyes. Right, just the cultural to, blinders. The cultural blinders of all the <laughs> things we take for granted. You know, so the story he started out with was basically, you know, they're driving somewhere in America uh, on the highway, and then there was a, I think it was an ambulance that drove by. And, you know, when there's an ambulance on the street or a fire truck, uh, whatever, what people do is they pull off to the side and right. allow the ambulance to pass because they understand the severity. They People recognize that there's something more important, there, there's an urgency, and we want to care for the urgency, right? Yep. And as uh, as this ambulance passed by and everyone kind of pulled to the side, his wife basically with tears in her eyes and says um, how they care for their own people. Right. A, a, a simple event that we see every day, we don't think anything of from an Eastern perspective. She recognized that in her, embedded into our culture is this deep sense of compassion that's not seen in other places in the world. And she recognized it and brought her to tears. And that shook me because I'm like, wow, I, I take that for granted that we yeah. care. We look at people's sickness or they lack something and we actually care. Where did that come from, right? That's exactly. the question they ask. Exactly. Where, why She was struck by the fact that, the, that here we have an ambulance racing this yep. person to the hospital, right, to get care. Now, just to contrast it again, you know, I, I would take young people on missions trips, Marion um, and I, uh, when we were youth pastors, and we were in um, a Latin American country, and we had to tell the young people to shield their eyes because there was an accident that happened. A, a bus ran over somebody on a motor scooter. The person was still under the bus tire, mm. And instead of calling for help or an ambulance, everybody on the bus, including the driver, fled the scene. So you have an empty bus, a person trapped under the bus who's dying and needs medical care, and everybody around is either watching or running. Mm -hmm. And I started talking to the missionary. I said, why is that the case? And it all went back to their legal system. If you provide care for that person you're held responsible medically and financially for mm. to care for that person. Or if you're the bus driver um, and somehow you're found guilty, then you're going to spend the rest of your lives in some terrible prison. So your best op- option is to run. And in other words, it created a culture that was just simply not rooted in justice or mercy or compassion. And people just looked out for their best interest, self-interest, right? And, you know, so here there was this gruesome scene, and we're trying to tell our kids not to look because it would have been shocking. Like, why isn't anybody helping this person? But again, that we take all that for granted because we've been raised in a Judeo-Christian culture. And it's just simply not the norm. It's just not yeah. the way things Why exist. should we help someone in need? You know? Yeah. If, a fundam- if, you, if you come from the fundamental evolutionary survival, survival of the fittest idea, someone who is disabled or someone who is sick, let them die. Because survival of the fittest. So somewhere, somewhere along the line, there's another worldview that came along that says, no, we need to help those who are weak. We need to help those who are sick. We need to have compassion for them. Where did that idea that we take for granted, we take advantage of everyday America, where did that idea come from? Well, how about this? We have, we have laws called Good Samaritan Law. Yeah. That means if you are trying to help somebody yeah. who is in need, uh, that that person cannot basically hold you responsible or hold you, you know... Uh, 
responsible if something Liable, happens. Yeah. yeah. And even, wait, Good Samaritan, where did that, where term, did that come term come from? from? Right. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that's we have Good Samaritan laws because our laws were rooted in the Bible. And of course, that's where the story of the Good Samaritan came from. So this whole idea of Christian compassion and caring for other people is rooted in a culture that is uh, immersed in biblical truth and biblical value. So we talked about this. It's interesting. You look at some of the um, thought leaders from other cultures, especially atheistic, uh, godless people like Karl Marx. He said religion was the opiate of the people, and his idea was that if you... If you just you know be kind and compassionate, you can keep the masses at bay. They won't revolt against the system. They won't go against the order. So just be nice, and they they, they don't mind if they're poor and they're impoverished and and they got a few needs. If you'll just help them out and get through them a t- token uh, act of compassion here or there, that they'll 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 be like a drug. It'll just keep them sedated. And if you can right. keep the community sedated, then they won't revolt against the wrongdoing and the elites, all right? Right, and, and, and there's an element of truth to that because I will compare that to maybe social media today or uh, our indulgence on, on drugs or sex or whatever that the, the elites in America is trying to disseminate to the masses today because you keep people tethered to these carnal, to these to opiate, literally the opiate, like sure. keeps people... What about all these government programs that, you know, provide somebody a free phone or this no. or that? It doesn't help anybody get ahead. It just keeps them able yeah. to function. Give them a check. They don't have to get a job. They, you know, whatever yeah. it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, I understand that side of Marx. If you take Jesus out and you take true compassion or true justice out, you know, that's what you get. You just get a, a bunch a of people. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll give you a chicken, a chicken for everybody's pot and, right. and, and, and kind of like a socialism. Yeah. As long as you don't revolve you don't ask questions. You don't challenge uh, authority. You don't challenge corruption. You know. You don't expose the truth. You know. We'll just give you a little bit of spec, and you just kind of stay, 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 stay in your lane. Yep. <clears throat> and so. then Nietzsche had a, had another uh, take on it. He studied classic civilizations like Greek and Rome, where they uh, valued power. Where, uh, for instance, entertainment was viewed in the Colosseum, where people actually slaughtered one another. Um, they valued sensuality, pleasure, uh, and kind of the, the strongest was the king, right? Uh, and Nietzsche said religion, or especially Christianity, basically made us all soft, uh, showing compassion for people when you should stomp on them, um, playing fair, you know, all these things that are kind of Christian compassion kind of uh, viewpoints. He said, he said, it's just making everybody soft and wimpy. Um, his whole idea was uh, the will to power. Um, he celebrated strength. Whoever was the strongest should lead by virtue of their strength. And obviously, we, we had some madmen that took, uh, took his writings uh, to practice, guys like uh, uh, Adolf Hitler. Uh, Nietzsche was his favorite uh, uh, author. And you can see why he took Nietzsche's theory of the will to power and, and translated it into um, Nazi socialism. And the rest is history. We got a, a, a body count, uh, you know, a mile high because of because of Hitler's embracing of this this madman. Of course, Nietzsche ended up going insane, <coughs> and his sister sold tickets to, for people to come and watch his crazy, bizarre behavior. He was like a museum or a, a circus uh, act. Um, but nevertheless, an interesting take. You know, yeah. who would who would condemn compassion as weak? 
I guess somebody who, who himself thought he was uh, the Antichrist and Jesus Christ at the same time. So he was a uh, he ended up going insane. Right. But but nevertheless, you know, it, it, our point is this is not a normal compassion was not celebrated throughout history. Well, it's interesting because this this religion or this worldview that value compassion end up taking over end up causing revolutions in the, some of these most powerful uh, classic civilizations like Rome and. And somehow the meek end up inheriting the world, the earth. <laughs> there you go. And, and that's very interesting if you study it because you think the power, the, the powerful, those who value power and might and 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 uh, try and victory uh, will end up conquering the earth. But it's the meek who ends just up the opposite. just the opposite. So that's an interesting study in itself how it happened. A- absolutely. And I and I love him coming again from his Hindu Indian background because the book, yeah, the yeah. author because he's he basically makes the point that if you believe in karma. Then suffering is is cosmic justice. So, if there you are laying in a ditch, you know we go back to Mother Teresa's ministry, right? Finding people laying in a ditch covered with ants, disease, sores, leprosy, whatever the situation was, and she's providing care. The Hindus would look at her and go, "What are you doing? If you're helping this person, they're just going to be reincarnated and have to come back." And suffer again. So obviously, the reason that they're suffering is because they probably have done something evil or wrong in their previous life, and this is how they're paying for it. So you don't help people who are in terrible, terrible situations. You're going against the whole order of the universe in doing so. And he says, you know, while there might have been very bright uh, medical doctors, physicians, bright minds, uh, Indian minds, there have been, yeah, and there unquestionably, right. But there was no culture to sustain medicine and and to sustain uh, compassionate care of sick people. That was an interesting part I read because, you know, even in Western culture, America today, people will say stuff like, ah, just karma, man. I kind of throw that word out there. Like what they mean is like you get what you deserve. Right. Okay, there's an element that we get it. But the karma is so much bigger, deeper. The, the, the original idea of karma is reincarnation, meaning you deserve this horrible thing happened to you right now because something you did in your previous life. That's the right. worldview behind karma. And what that gives justification is that you don't need to show compassion because true compassion is let this person suffer in their faith because that is how they redeem themselves to get to the next place in karma. That's a very, very dangerous, should I say dangerous and devastating worldview towards compassion because you take away all incentive. Even if you want to help them, the best way to help them is to leave them alone. That's that's devastating yeah. to 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 a culture of compassion and care and love and taking care of those we are weak and and, and like you pointed out back in your college days in a class you had, you know this whole caste system uh, is really great for for the top of the heap because they just keep putting their their people in power century after century after century and they got this great lie called karma or called uh, reincarnation that simply says well if you you're living a really bad, painful, misery-filled life. You deserve it. And if I'm living a blessed life, I must have done some really great things in my previous life. Yeah. I mean, it's a sick, sick thing that basically says, as you pointed out, if I help you, I'm actually doing evil. You know, the word compassion literally means to suffer alongside mm. of. It means I'm going to share in your pain. I'm going to share in your misery. I'm going to share in your suffering. And I'm going to come alongside of you not so we can sit there and grieve together, but I'm going to come alongside of you so I can somehow lift you out and help you 
uh, and relieve the suffering that you're experiencing. And so to leave somebody in their suffering and to do it as an act of virtue, it, it completely turns uh, Jesus' understanding of loving your neighbor on his head. Absolutely. Uh, doing nothing is not loving your neighbor. And so this whole idea of, he says the Bible has been the greatest humanizing force in history because God himself, as the Bible teaches, is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. What a great name that God reveals about himself. He is the very source, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. I love to read this verse at a funeral. Because it reminds us that if we are looking for mercy or we're looking for comfort, the source of that is God the Father. Even His name, the Father. You know, what do fathers do? Good fathers, they they are merciful. They care. They comfort their children. They come alongside of. Uh, they fix the boo boo right uh, when the child falls, uh, and that's exactly our heavenly Father. And so you got to have a a culture of compassion if you're going to see medicine thrive. And I want to go back, you know, he makes a point, the Greeks, the Romans, the Indians, the Muslims all produced great doctors, but they did not develop modern medicine because they could not create caring cultures. In other words, the science was there, but the heart wasn't there. And the reason the heart wasn't there is because they did not have a worldview that encouraged compassionate behavior. What an eye-opener. In fact, he points out in the Greek and Roman world, uh, children were left, you know, undesirable children were simply left and exposed to the elements to die. Um, uh, the, in Rome's culture, there was a culture of cruelty that was formed, so they enjoyed watching people be slaughtered, attacked by animals, tortured. They actually found enjoyment value in that uh, and eventually rotted from the inside out. You know, he talks about the, a, a sewage system. So there was an amazing technology and health uh, measures that were created in Roman culture, but the the very sewer system was clogged with bones. And when they ex- explored, well, what are these bones? They were the bones of infant children that were simply thrown into the sewers. And so uh, you had um, abortion and infanticide that were popular in that culture. So again, if you have a culture that doesn't care for the least of these, if you have a culture that doesn't care for the, the sick, the needy, the widow, the orphan, um, Eventually, it's going to rot from within and decay from within. And this point in itself is is huge in it, uh, it hugely relevant to our culture today. Oh. Because we have all kind of crazy technology, and we have all kind of technical abilities to do all these different things. But it's not if it's not insulated, if it's not surrounded by a true culture of compassion and care, a culture of genuinely loving other people, not a fake compassion and culture of what you're doing for all the cameras, but behind the scenes is full of corruption, okay? So how about this? How about back in the day you got into medicine because you had great compassion and you wanted to alleviate human suffering, not because you wanted to drive a Ferrari. Right, right. Uh, And um, again, there's nothing the matter with being compensated for the time, the energy, the money, the expertise. I mean, I'm not in a market system. There's there's no problem with uh, uh, that deriving a greater income than maybe something else. But my point was the motive. You cared about people, and and you 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 practice what the, your your medical practice because you wanted to alleviate suffering. You truly wanted to help people. Uh, I'll, I'll go one one more on you. How about the pharmaceutical industry? Oh my word! I mean, the pharmaceutical industry. You think you know? I studied pharmacology in, in grad school, 
And the idea of this is to be able to help human suffering, to create medicine, create create uh, technology so that people can be healed and people can be better. Not a profit-driven ident- uh, a multinational corporation that funnels itself. And you know, and I don't need to go into the big pharma. Oh yeah, but but, but not the, to mention the lack of integrity, the the lying, the cheating, like the lack of transparency, uh, all those different. It becomes a, a you know they're in league with the FDA and all that stuff, just all the corruption. So so you have all these technical ability, but if you don't have infrastructure that allows true compassion, which again, where does that come from? Does that come from humanism? Does that come from evolution? Does it come from right. you know yeah. uh, uh, techno- like technology for technology's sake? Like wh- where does that heart come from? Without you can have the best technology in the world, it will come to nothing. It will Absolutely. come to no- it will cause more human suffering because well, of lack at, of you look at Nazi view. Germany. Huh? They were certainly uh, medical and scientific leaders, the doctors and all those. But but when they lost the heart of the gospel, and they lost compassion, and they fell into that that uh, Nietzschean kind of understanding of, of will to power. Now medical science is used to torture and create yeah. all kinds of sick experiments in the name of science. In other words, there's no guardrails yep. at all for scientific expression or for medical expression. Um, back to his point about Jesus and compassion. He says Christ attracted the masses because he preached the good news to the poor. And uh, you look at uh, just a quick survey of Scripture, Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd, and the Bible says he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, I love this because here you see compassion wedded with healing. In this situation, it was supernatural healing, but I love that. You have compassion. You see it. In another passage, this is Matthew chapter 20, um, two blind men sitting by the roadside. When they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them, told them to shut up, be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus, the Bible says, stopped. And he called them. What do you want me to do? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. I love this. The Bible says Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight, and they followed him. So again, in that culture, no one's even listening to these guys. In fact, just the opposite. Shut up. Mm. Who are you people? You know, you're, 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 Nobody cares about you. Just mind your own business. Stay in your, stay in your lane, right? Stay in your cast. Yeah. Uh, nobody cares about you. But these guys didn't care. They, the hope in their heart was that... That the testimony that they heard about this man, Jesus, was that he was different, that he was compassionate, that he cared, and that he could heal them. And so they went against all the cultural norms. They're screaming, they're yelling, and God Almighty in human flesh stops on the dime and asks this amazing question, what could I do for you? Which is rooted in compassion. In another passage, it says, Jesus looked on, on the people as sheep without a shepherd harassed, helpless. He cared. He was touched with compassion. He weeps over Jerusalem. So Jesus turns the whole system upside down. The elite power structures of their day, they hated Jesus because of his care for these the very people, again, that, that um, the rest of the world rejects and could care less about. Yeah. Um, what a beautiful Savior we have. And as you pointed out earlier, um, how what a strange thing that compassion and not force and violence can turn the world upside down and create a revolution. So the helpless and the harassed love Jesus. And I love this. Jesus said to us as uh, as he was the good shepherd and we were under shepherds, he said, hey, 
In the same way that, that the shepherd loves the sheep and is willing to lay down his life for them, I want you to act in the same way. Yeah. And so what turned the Roman civilization upside down? What led to the Christianization of the Roman culture? It was the fact that during the plagues, we talked about this during COVID, during the plagues, the Christian didn't all run. They stayed and they went alongside people who were sick and they ministered to them, even when their own families and their own governments, their own, all the people who were supposed to care took off. And it was the Christians who stayed behind and, and loved the least of these, yeah. just like Jesus would do. So what a, what a powerful, powerful uh, testimony. Um, I wanted to read, uh, he was talking about Emperor Julian in the mm. book, which I thought was a great point. Emperor Julian, who, who was a wicked leader, said, hey, if, if we want to stop this movement of Christianity, yeah. we should maybe start caring for our own the way the Christians care for our own. What a powerful testimony uh, right. to the church. I mean, that's, that's, that's what cultural impact really looks like when you have the, the, the king of a different kingdom saying, hey, if we want to stop this revolution, we need to start caring and loving people yeah. for real. That's when you know that you're making a cultural impact. Oh right? my word! Yeah, like, uh, how do we stop this force? The, all these poor people, the outcasts, the, you know, the the weak, the sick—they're all running to Christianity. Well, it was because they actually the people loved them, and it wasn't their friends and family. It was it was strangers. It was it was maybe sometimes even their enemies. Yeah. Um, but I love this quote in the book. He says Romans rejected Rome's culture because Christ confronted its cruelties with the gospel of a compassionate God. He invited the poor, the meek, the sick, the sorrowing, the hungry, the weak, and the weary to come to him for rest. He blessed children. He touched lepers. He healed the handicapped. He delivered the demonized. He ate with social outcasts. He protected prostitutes. He taught illiterate masses. He opposed the oppressors and reconciled rebellious sinners with their loving and forgiving Heavenly Father. What a, what a summary of the gospel uh, and the powerful ministry of Jesus and his followers. And that's literally what, what brought an empire to its knees uh, and led to the Christianizing of, of the West. Um, so what a, what a powerful picture. He, he talks then about a uh, great history lesson. Uh, we've always enjoyed his grasp of history. St. Basil founded the first hospital about with 300 beds about 350 years after, after the birth of Christ. And he's talked about monasteries. You know, again, this the, the wedding together of the monastery uh, and the church, both sor sources of learning. There were no secular uh, institutions, no yeah. secular universities, right? right? It, was, it was Christians leading the thought way and then also leading uh, in practical demonstrations of the gospel. Yeah. Uh, so what a beautiful thing. Um, and then let's talk a little bit about the birth of modern medicine. He goes back to a guy named Thomas uh, Sydenham, father of English medicine, and Robert Boyle, who founded the uh, Royal Society of Science, both of them coming from Puritan traditions, yeah. uh, which again, the Puritans are mocked today. Right. Um, but the Puritans, I love this, these guys were committed to the glory of God and to the good of human beings. And once again, um, Sydenham has an amazing quote here of his medical philosophy that I thought our listeners would enjoy. He says, uh, this was the advice he gave to his students. Whoever applies himself to medicine should rigor or seriously weigh the following considerations. So if you're interested in medicine, you need to think about these things. Number one, 
that he will one day have to render an account to the supreme judge of the lives of sick people entrusted to his care. So, wow. What have we, uh, in our medical schools, we reminded our students and uh, upcoming physicians and nurses that you'll stand before God someday and give an account for the quality of care that you gave yeah. to the sick. In other words, it had a... It had yeah. an eternal perspective. It's worship. Yeah. yeah, it was done as worship. Medical Abu care da. for people is, is worship. Yeah. All right. <laughs> he says, secondly, uh, by whatever skill or knowledge he may, by the divine favor, become possessed of, he should be devoted above all things to the glory of God and the welfare of the human race. Thirdly, he must remember that it is no mean or ignoble creature that he deals with. We must ascertain the worth of the human race for its sake, God's only begotten Son became man and thereby ennobled the nature that he took upon him. So, again, if you don't see people as made in the image and likeness of God, people who Jesus Christ died for, then you won't have compassion for them. You'll get weary, you'll be frustrated, you know, all those things that happen when we care for other people. Um, finally, his last word of advice, the physician should bear in mind that he himself is not exempt from the common lot, but is subject to the same laws of mortality and disease as his fellows, and he will care for the sick with more diligence and tenderness if he remembers that he himself is their fellow sufferer. Mm. Wow. In other words, someday I might be falling apart my body. Someday I might be dealing with sickness, disease. Someday I may bro break a bone or whatever, and I need to remember as I'm caring for you that I'm subject to the same weakness as you. Wow, what, what amazing advice uh, given by godly people uh, who were pursuing medicine for the glory of God. Um, let's talk uh, again about uh, the Buddhism and Indian medicine. He was saying again that suffering was cosmic justice, so, so Indians did not have a culture for that. But I thought Buddhism was interested. They had an idea of compassion in Buddhism, but uh, it was compassion without attachment. Which makes compassion really hard. It's 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 a yeah. It's like a paradox. It right? is. It's like outwardly you should show compassion to the animals, show compassion to the people, but there's no real emotional attachment. Which it, it did not change the culture. It was it was compassion for the sake of purity, and not purity to to purify your desires. Yeah. But but the Christianity says compassion because our God's compassionate. It's, exactly. It's, it's something different. Yeah. And, and the founder <clears throat> found you know, enlightenment by detaching himself from his very own yeah. wife. Well, his wife and family. And child and yeah. family. So so he ended up abandoning. Right. He found spiritual enlightenment through the abandonment mm -hmm. of earthly yeah. attachment. We call that father wound. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how do you demonstrate <laughs> compassion when you're willing to leave those closest to you uh, in marriage it's, and It's family? superficial. It's something you do to achieve something else. What we say is Christianity, compassion is the heart of God. Yeah. It's the heart of it. It's yeah. not just something you do superficially. And I love you. He ends with this quote uh, by Malcolm Muggeridge, who is a famous British journalist and author. Um, and he said, like most of the British journalists of the day, he was a secular humanist, but he was honest. And I appreciate folks who are at least intellectually honest. Yeah. He did not say that all worldviews were the same. He said, quote, I've spent a number of years in India and Africa where I found much righteous endeavor undertaken by Christians of all denominations. But I have never, as it happens, come across a hospital or orphanage run by the Fabian Society or a humanist <laughs> leper colony. Yeah. Now, this is so good because we can argue this today. There's this, 
there's this two little letters in front of most hospitals if you travel across America and the world. It's the letter ST. Yep. Of course, it, it's short for saint. So we have St. Anthony's locally, right? We, right. Have, we have a Methodist hospital locally. We have St. Catherine's. We have St. Margaret's. Where does all this come from? It comes from a worldview that says Jesus Christ was compassionate. He was, he was a picture in human form of God the Father, a perfect re- representation of the Father, the Father of mercies, and that we should care for people made in the image and likeness of God. And so you have all these hospitals and universities and so forth founded by Christians for the glory of God and for the good of the people. And I thought his argument was compelling because he, he says... Great medicine has been established throughout all different culture. The Hippocratic yeah. Oath in Greece, yeah. uh, these guys who have established a spark of compassion, a spark of med- medical breakthroughs, but somehow none of those has sustaining power to create university, to, to create a medical community, to create uh, hospitals, to create a, a, a wholesale culture of compassion. So it's not dependent on one or two people who have great you know, ability or gifting or talents, or maybe they're compassionate themselves. That was not enough. The only culture that finally sustained this, this bedrock of compassion in the long run was the Bible introducing the Western civilizations. Yep. And in resulting in, like you said, all these hospitals, the leper colonies, that, that changed all of culture. And he examined all different culture. And it's like, it's not a lack of talent. It's not a lack of ability. It's not a lack of individuals who might be compassionate. But it's the worldview that had to lead the foundation. And the only worldview that's able to do that is through the Bible, which is great, but also scary at the same time. Yeah. Because in Western Civ right now, or in America today, as we lose more and more the foundation, the bedrock of the scriptures, we still want to keep compassionate because it sounds good. It sounds like a great uh, a marketing campaign to our people. But when you lose the heart of Christianity, man, that compassion becomes superficial. It becomes show. It becomes a, 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 a marketing. It becomes a, 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 what is that, a photo op. Right. It doesn't become true. Right. It takes us to a dangerous place because for all those watching out there, just imagine a world without compassion mm. in our culture today. That's a scary, scary place. I, I certainly don't want my kids to live in a culture like that. And I'll tell like you that. what's scary. When, when you unmoor the definition of compassion from the Scripture, let's take a look at, at the transgender movement today, okay? They would argue that we're not being compassionate to a... 13-year-old girl, if if she feels like she's a boy, the compassionate medical response is to remove her genitalia, to remove her breast. In other words, to mutilate her healthy body. That's called compassion. Our view would be called heartless and bigoted right. because the word compassion doesn't mean the same thing. Yeah. Our compassion is rooted in a in truth, yeah. and if you separate truth from compassion, you get you get a Nazi Germany and all right. the crazy wicked right. things that were done in the name of science. That's what's happening today. Well, it's this brave new world of of science where anything that can be done is done in the name, and then it's twisted to take the moral high ground to be, to basically justify the atrocities right. you're committed. That's really scary. That, that is scary. I mean, even like you said, we said earlier, compassion in the, in the karma, like uh, the reincarnation picture, the, the, the compassion thing to do is let them suffer in their in their filth because that's the most compassionate thing to do. Again, so compassion and truth has to come together in the biblical worldview. You take the 
you take the biblical word without compassion, like you said, either it gets destroyed or compassion gets redefined is no longer compassion. And once again, it becomes a scary. So right now, where we live right now, we still live, we are, I mean, the more I read this book, the more I am in love with America. I'm in love with Northwest Indiana. We live in Indiana today. Like I appreciate our, yeah. our, our community, our neighborhood, our culture so much more after reading this book because we still care. There's still compassion for people. There's still GoFundMe for those who are suffering and people will donate money and resources and we, we feel we still live in such luxury. Let's not take that for granted yeah. because just imagine a world in which compassion, like you said, has been completely twisted. And, and, and I've heard people say we're in the twilight. You know, the twilight of Western civilization. The twilight time is when the sun is starting to set. It's not quite gone down yeah. yet. There's, you can still see. But when, it, the, when the twilight season ends, you're in complete darkness. Yeah. That's kind of why I feel the burden, you know, uh, to, to live out our worldview and to fight for, fight for it while there's still light, you know. Um, so that we can, we are able to preserve the why behind the blessings that we have yeah. um, before it, we fall into complete darkness. And you know, we're not the first civilization that's that's you know been on the top of the heap, so to speak, and ended up in the ash bin of human history. We talked about Rome and Greece and some of these other civilizations; they literally rotted from within. It wasn't because they were stupid or dumb or foolish or they didn't have you know, uh, a great mind or great leaders, or great scientists. It was because they lacked a worldview to sustain. They lacked virtue, biblical virtue. And if America loses uh, God and we lose our heart and we lose compassion rooted in uh, the Judeo-Christian understanding of that word, um, we're in a really, really dangerous place, and I think that's where, where we're at right now. We're at a tipping point. Well, just in your analogy, I want to bring an analogy of when Moses has his arm raised, God would not let the sun to keep keep going. Sun's still, right? Yeah, sun's still. So, still. And I, 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 I think that, I, to me, the difference between... America today and all this other civilization is that the gospel has been introduced. People cannot go back from the gospel. That's that's so. I've, I have a very optim, optimistic view on yeah. life and in America today. There is a remnant that was begun by the Lord and will be finished by the Lord and sustained by the Lord as we continue to seek Him and be There's faithful. There's a rediscovery because you know even yeah. England. We talked about a couple. I don't know how many weeks ago yeah. when England was in worse mess than we are. Their remnant of you know John Wesley. Jonathan Edelman in America, George, George Whitfield, Whitfield yeah. people start preaching because they have been exposed to the gospel and they came back. The Rome, you know, Greece, those guys did not understand. They have not been wholesale exposed to the gospel yet, and the nation was doomed to fail because any yep. nation built on the foundation of tyranny, foundation of violence and power is going to fall. Yep. But but we have we're, we have a different foundation. Yeah, I know the enemy is chipping at the foundation, but but we have seen the light and we cannot go back. And, I, I, and that's, my, that's my hope. But there's work for us to do. Don't get us wrong. Yeah. We have work to do. Yeah. We have to recover the true heart of what compassion means and deliver that. But so. we have a template. We have a plan. We have a biblical understanding of yeah. the world and how God created it. And thank God for the Christian worldview. It keeps us on track and it gives us a blueprint to return to. So there is the ability, for, as you pointed out, for reformation, um, and for uh, revival in our culture as we seek the Lord. So let's continue to do that, and uh, especially during this month uh, that's been dedicated to perversion and uh, profanity, yeah. uh, profane yeah, things. I accept that. It's possible on my calendar. I'm like, how do I silence holidays? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm just burdened with it because for 30 days straight, you know, this is this this is shaping the minds of the next generation as something normal and good, and that's yeah. why it's concerning. So, right. so be praying, be standing for truth. Um, 
and continue to declare the superiority of our Christian worldview. That's right. what we're committed to in this podcast. We're so glad that you make the journey with us uh, each week. And until next time, have a great week. Let's trumpet the superiority of uh, the Word of God and the beautiful Amen. worldview that Jesus has given to us. Amen.